Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. so much, Mr. Ginger. Beautiful, beautiful. Beneath the cross of Jesus. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful hymn. Well, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis as we continue our study in the life of Joseph. And uh, the title of our message today is Joseph in Egypt. Joseph in Egypt. Genesis chapter 39. And we'll begin at the first verse, but let's uh, first ask the Lord's blessing upon his holy word. Blessed are you, O Lord, King of the universe, sovereign 
Lord of life, creator and sustainer, provider. Father, as we study your holy word, we pray that you will speak to our hearts. You be our teacher, O Lord, we ask humbly. By your Holy Spirit, enable us to understand your word and to apply it to our lives with the hope that we grow and mature in our relationship with you and that we, Father, will be useful instruments of your love, making a difference in the communities in which we live being used by you to touch the lives of unbelievers with the hope that they would come to know your great love, salvation, forgiveness, and the hope of eternal life. We thank you, O Father, for the example of Joseph. We thank you for the lessons, so many lessons that can be learned through his life and how you work through the circumstances in his life to accomplish your will. Father, for anyone here today who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they'll come to know you today. And we pray for those who are discouraged, we pray for encouragement. For those who feel weak and defeated, we pray for strength and victory. For the ill, we pray, Father, your healing touch. For those who are grieving, your comfort and grace. Again, Father, we thank you for being a compassionate, loving, kind, and merciful God. We praise you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. So beginning at verse 1 in chapter 39 in the book of Genesis. I've got to go back here. I'm over in Exodus. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house, and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. 
and he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was, as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was inside, that she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was, when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside, that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them, saying, See, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried out, that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came into me to mock me. So it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. So it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this man, that his anger was aroused. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Amen. So last week we looked at uh, Joseph and his family, and we looked at how his brothers were jealous of him to the point that they hated him. And they hated him so intensely that they, they stripped him of that beautiful coat that his father had made for him, this coat of many colors, <coughs> threw him into a pit. They wanted to kill him, but Reuben, his older brother, saved him and said, no, don't, don't kill him. And it, his plan was to come back later and rescue his brother out of that pit and then take him home. But when he returned, lo and behold, Joseph was no longer in the pit because the other brothers had sold him into slavery to some Ishmaelites who were traveling down to Egypt. And they took Joseph down to Egypt, and he was sold to this man, Potiphar. Now, Potiphar was a royal official in the Egyptian military. Now, it's possible that Potiphar was a eunuch because the, the Hebrew word that is used to describe him is actually the word that is normally translated uh, eunuch. One of the Jewish historians, Alfred Edersheim, says that his position was that of chief of the executioners. He was a military man, captain of the guard. So he was no slouch, all right? 
He was wealthy enough to purchase slaves. Joseph wasn't the only slave that he had. He had many slaves in his household. But he bought Joseph, and so Joseph was a slave in the house of Potiphar. Now, throughout this chapter, we read several times the statement, but the Lord was with Joseph. Christians oftentimes, and you hear some people say this, when you come to know the Lord as your Savior, or when you become a Christian, a believer in God, that all of your troubles are over. Not so. Not so. Oh my goodness, that's when most of your troubles are about to begin. You say, yes, but the Bible says that God gives his people peace. Yes, he does. Peace in the midst of the storm. God works through the circumstances and the difficulties and the failures and the miseries and the pain of life. Joseph was 17 years old when his brothers wanted to kill him and sell him into slavery. And here he is in Potiphar's house. You can imagine anyone who experienced what Joseph experienced could be discouraged and bitter and angry and all of that. And yet, the Bible goes on to say that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. You say, what kind of success is that? A slave? You call that success? And yet, that's what the Bible says. Because he was a blessing. You see, he had a special relationship with God. The presence and the power of God in his life. And what's so interesting is this passage that we're studying is, is consistent with the lesson that we had in Sunday school this morning. Because... Genesis chapter 12 is where God enters into a covenant with Abraham and God says I will bless you and I will cause your descendants to be great and they will be blessed and whoever blesses you will be blessed and whoever curses you will be cursed. Joseph had a relationship with God and even though all of these circumstances come into his life God is with Joseph and he blesses Joseph and he blesses Potiphar because of Joseph. So he fulfills that promise that is God fulfills his promise to Abraham through the life of Joseph. Potiphar is blessed on account of Joseph. And notice that it says his master saw that the Lord was with him. Now here's an Egyptian, an unbeliever. Because Joseph lived his life, he carried himself in such a way that it was obvious that there was something different about this young man. He gave witness to the presence and power of God in his life. The question is, what kind of witness are you for the Lord? Something different about this young man Joseph. Now Joseph is, is referred to as the epitome of Romans 
Perhaps you know that verse. I'd encourage you to commit it to memory. And we know this, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It's a powerful, powerful verse. What is your response when something terrible or, or some, someone betrays you or someone treats you poorly or disrespects you? What is your response? Something to consider when we look at, at Joseph. Now Joseph is serving there in the house of Potiphar and what happens? He's promoted. He's promoted. The Lord blesses Joseph's work. The favor that Joseph experienced from Potiphar was God's favor upon Joseph. You can be in a very difficult position and God is yet able to bless. God is yet able to use you for his honor and for his glory and to accomplish his will. If you are but willing and sensitive to hear God's voice. And God blesses Potiphar because of Joseph, because of Joseph's faithfulness. Oh, what an example for people today. Joseph, he's given authority over Potiphar's household, and he gives him supervision over everything. And many days go by, perhaps months and years go by. And Joseph proves that he is a man of integrity and of honesty. The scripture says Potiphar didn't even know what all belonged to him. He just left it in Joseph's care because he knew that Joseph was blessed by God and was trustworthy. And so, with that going on in the household that Joseph had it made. Here he was, basically, living a rather wonderful life, even though he was a slave. He was basically the ruler in that house, except for Potiphar. He had it made. And then old Potiphar had to be gone for a business trip. And while he was away, what do we read? Well, there are only a few people who are, are referred to in the scripture as handsome or beautiful. And Joseph is one of those. It says he was, he was handsome in, in appearance and form. So he was a, a good looking guy, he, he had it all. He was smart, he was blessed by the Lord, he was talented and handsome. That's also said of David, the major writer of the book of Psalms. It's also said of Rebekah and of Sarah. You'll recall Sarah, it says, was a beautiful woman. And also that Rachel the mother of Joseph was very beautiful. So he inherited his mother's good looks. 
And while uh, Potiphar was away on his business trip, Mrs. Potiphar, right? She, uh, you know, was casting these longing looks at uh, Joseph. And uh, she doesn't beat around the bush. She just says, lie with me. In other words, let's have sex. I want to make it with you. And what does Joseph do? What an example for today. What an example for any time in the history of the human race. What an example. See, Potiphar's wife was wicked. That's what she was. And all of that filth that is advertised on TV and in the movie theaters, and especially coming out of Hollywood and Washington, D.C., is utter wickedness. Wickedness, filth, and immorality. And so sad that, that here in the, the beautiful United States of America, wickedness is rewarded. So she attempts to seduce Joseph, but Joseph resists. And he, he explains the situation. He says, my master, your husband has, has placed everything under my supervision. He's given me authority over everything. The only thing that, that he has to concern himself with is what he's going to eat, his diet. The one thing he's kept for me is you because you are his wife. Joseph recognized the sanctity of marriage and the marriage bond. Whether they were believers or unbelievers, the marriage bond is sacred before God. And it is to be respected and honored. And both parties are to be faithful one to the other. There is no acceptable reason for anyone to be unfaithful. Joseph said, my master has put everything under my authority. The only thing he's kept back from me is you because you're his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? He calls it what it is. Sin. That is what it is. Today, you have couples, they, they want to live together before they get married to see if they're compatible. That in itself is a sin. It is sinful for couples to live together without being married. It is wrong. And that is, that's pushed all across the country. And sadly... Even in this community right here, there are some who live together, refuse to get married. Why? Because they don't want to lose the pension or the, you know, the, the, the retirement benefits. They want the other benefits, but they don't want to lose the money. It's wrong. It's wrong. It is simple. And, and if you're struggling in your life and 
and you have that going on in your life, guess what? God won't bless that. You want God's blessing? Then you must live according to God's standard. Joseph said, no. Now, he resists the temptation. It's an attack. It is a spiritual attack. But he resists. But don't think for one moment that it was just one time. No, it says day after day after day, this woman continued to flirt with him and to attempt to seduce him. And day after day after day, he resisted. So much so that he, he, didn't, he, he did his best not to even be around her at all. And then one day she sets it all up. The other, the other servants, they're all out of the house. And Joseph has to come in to do some accounting, some paperwork. And so while in there, what does she do? She attempts to seduce him. And of course he resists. She grabs a hold of his, his outer garment. They, you know, they, they wore different types of clothing in, in those days. She grabs a hold of his, his outer cloak and she, she's very aggressive. She's trying to pull his clothes off. She gets that coat and he's, he's out of there. He runs. What does the Bible teach us about sin when we're, when we're tempted? We're to run. We're to run away, run in the opposite direction flee to God. The Bible says, resist the devil, and he shall what? Yeah, that's right. Resist the temptation. Don't entertain it. Don't entertain it. Resist. That's what Joseph did. But she then concocts a story. What does that say? Hell has no fury. How does that go? Like a woman's scorn. Yeah. Well, she was scorned, all right. <laughs> she was upset, angry. So her desire then turned to anger and rage. And she said, I am going to get even. And she uses this term. So she, she brings the other, the other uh, Egyptian servants into the house. And she says, you see what, what this Hebrew? She uses that term Hebrew in a racial slur or as a racial slur. That's how it is in, in the Hebrew, the Hebrew language. He brought this, this Hebrew in here and he came in to mock me. He attempted to rape me. Oh, I wonder how many Josephs are in prison today. Time and time and time again with the DNA and how many of these poor guys who are accused of things and they're, they're judged guilty in the, in the eyes of the public? Because all of the circumstances seem to point to their guilt. And they're attacked. He was attacked. So Potiphar comes home and she says, look, this Hebrew slave that you brought in here, he came in here, he tried to rape me. Look, I even have the evidence right here. Now, Potiphar, we said, was no slouch. 
You see, he knew Joseph's character. Because in that day and age, for that kind of an offense, a slave would be killed on the spot. And it's so important. The Bible is really careful to, to give these little details. But oftentimes in the translation from Hebrew into English, some of those extra details don't make it over into the translation. You see, the, the position that Potiphar had as chief executioner and chief captain of the guard meant that he was the one who was probably also in charge of the prison. Because it was the king's prison where the, the prisoners of the king went. And perhaps the anger that he had was the fact that now he had to give up this valuable servant, Joseph. Because she, she embarrassed Potiphar in front of his whole household by making this charge in front of everyone, and he had to act. So what does he do? Mercifully, he takes Joseph and he places him in prison, in the king's prison. He could have had him executed. You notice? Because that was an offense for which one would be executed, especially a slave. But he was placed in the king's prison. And do you suppose that maybe he spoke to the warden and said something about Joseph's character? Because very quickly Joseph becomes the chief prisoner, if you will. And he supervises all of the other prisoners. He supervises the prison. And again, that statement... And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. Now there are some people who live here in the United States of America. And they think they have it so bad. That things here in the United States are just so bad. I can tell you I lived over in the country of Turkey for about 15 months. And uh, there was this 14-year-old uh, boy, he had come onto the base, and they, the Turkish, because well, we shared the base with both the Turks and, and uh, you know, the U.S. Uh, uh, troops. When they found that boy, they beat him within a half inch of his life. Because, let's see, that's what they do in other countries. And he was Turkish like that. And then we were told, we were, we were given the orientation when we got to Turkey, we said, now listen, you need to understand something. You need to be respectful of their culture because if you disrespect their culture and you end up being arrested, they're going to beat you, they're going to throw you in, in, in jail, and there's nothing that the U.S. can do for you other than bring you meals. But you better be able to fight because when they bring you your meal, you're going to have to fight for that meal. Because you see, in prison there, the family has to come in and bring food to their family member who's in prison if they want that person to eat. But of course, they're going to all fight for that food. 
And sadly, I remember when, when we left, there were some guys from our unit who were in prison in Turkey. And we were so glad to get back to the U.S. Because there is nowhere on earth like the United States of America, with one exception, the nation of Israel. The sole democracy in the Middle East. Well, Joseph is in prison, and he could have complained. You know, like the, the athletes who make hundreds of millions of dollars, but it's just so terrible here in America. When was the last time you made $10 million for throwing a ball in a little basket? Last night I had the opportunity to uh, participate at a fundraiser for homeless veterans. The number of veterans on our streets in the United States of America, people who've, who've served their country faithfully, who have gone through so much, they've, they've seen so many things. There are some things that you see that you can't get out of your mind and out of your heart. It, it, it impacts you emotionally. And unless you, you've been through that, you just don't understand. And really, the only one who can, can heal them is the Lord. But then you have a country like ours with so much abundance. But we'd rather give a phone and money and cards and even a place to stay to those who would break the law to come into the country. It's not right. Yeah, the Bible teaches that we're to be that we're to be kind and generous to all. But it also says that people are supposed to observe our laws. Now look at Joseph here. He didn't break the law. He was innocent. And he was punished for doing the right thing. He stood up and he said, no. He resisted. And he's thrown into prison. Well, what do we learn from, from these passages here? Life isn't fair. You hear all these people crying about equality. Guess what? That's never going to happen. Some people can sing like Pavarotti or like Whitney Houston and some like Donald Duck. <laughs> Life just isn't fair because we live in a fallen world. Look around you. We are all sinners. And but for the grace of God, we would all be lost. The evil one seeks to destroy God's people. It's a spiritual warfare. We're in a spiritual warfare. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. 
The devil seeks to destroy. That's what he's called Abaddon. That means destroyer. He seeks to destroy. And the number of families that are destroyed. So sad. Temptation is real, but it's overcome by submitting to God. That is, to God and living according to his word. The Bible there in 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There is no temptation that is taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but also with the temptation provide a means of escape, so that you may be able to bear it. That is, to resist, to say no, and run away. Run into the arms of Jesus. God works through circumstances to accomplish his will. Each one of us, God has a, a specific will for each one of our lives and a general will as we serve in the life of the church, through his church. And he's gifted us in so many different ways and he, he intends to use us. But you see, he, he also prepares us. And you say, well, I'm 80 years old. Well, guess what? When God called Abraham, he was 75. And he continued serving until he died at the age of 175. And Moses was called when he was 80 years old. And he had to serve for the next 40 years. He died at 120. What is God calling you to do? What is God doing through your life? Jesus told the disciples in John 16, 33, In the world you will have, amen, tribulation. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to struggle. But be of good cheer. Be encouraged. For I, that is the Lord, have overcome the world. Are you living as an overcomer or as one who is defeated? Are you living as one who is an encourager or going from day to day discouraged? Are you one who lifts your voice in praise or one who pounds their fist in complaint? Only you know the answer to those questions. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. That invitation is God's invitation to you. To give your heart, to give your life to Him. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, guess what? If you don't accept Jesus as Savior, when you die, and you will die one day, you will spend eternity in hell. Hell is not a fictitious place. It's a real place. And earth is not hell. This is earth. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And the only way that you will go to heaven is through the life, the blood, the crucified Christ, the risen Christ who gave his life for you. Give your life to him. And as we say, you come, walk down that aisle and give your heart and life to him. Let's stand, please.
We pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word. And we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.